The pool of light beside my bed looks like the whole frost on the ground. I lift my head to see the bright moon. Then lower my head and miss my home. This is a popular Chinese poem, Thoughts in a Tranquil Night, by one of the most famous poets of the High Tang period. This poem appeared on one of the six stamps issued by the United Nations on March the 20th, 2015, to commemorate World Poetry Day. The poet Li Bai lived during the High Tang period and was a genius, a romantic poet who led traditional Chinese poetry to new heights. He was called the Poem and Wine Immortal for his excellent works of poetry. And his binge drinking habit. Of course, we all know excessive drinking will damage your health, and a drunkard can do some silly things. There was a legend about the death of the poet. One day in 762 A.D., Li Bai jumped off his boat into the Yangtze River in an attempt to embrace the beautiful reflection of the moon. It was said that he was. Very drunk at the time. Although he disappeared forever, the actual demise of such a famous poet, though tragic, was fittingly dramatic and romantic. As an icon of Chinese romantic literature, the great Tang poet also had some connection with Dunhuang, as some rare written copies of his masterworks were found among the Dunhuang manuscripts. This also reflects his great popularity at that time. Hello, I'm Graeme Stevens. Welcome to another episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. Starting from this episode, we are entering the High Tang period in China. If you enjoyed our previous episodes, do remember to give us a rating and share with your friends. Poetry was not the only art form that flourished during the High Tang Dynasty. In fact, the Tang Dynasty soared high and was well ahead of other countries in the world in almost all aspects of human society at the time. Traces of this can be found in the Dunhuang Mogao caves built during this period. In this episode, we will visit Cave Forty Five, which is one of the most exquisite caves made in the heyday of the Mogao caves. Cave Forty Five is recognized as one of the most outstanding Buddhist art caves in all of China. The painted color sculptures of this cave represent the highest level of sculptural art in the High Tang period, a period which also created the unique Chinese style of Buddhist art. The splendid group of statues in the main niche on the west wall originally included nine figures. But the two statues standing on both edges have been destroyed, so now only seven remain. The remaining seven-figure grouping is original and well preserved. It includes one Buddha, two disciples, two Bodhisattvas, and two heavenly kings. The Buddha sits in the lotus position, looking serenely and compassionately at the devotees. He has a round face with right hand raised and left hand on left knee. 
The outer robe, which wraps the two legs, hangs over from the throne. He is shown as healthy, sturdy and mature, possibly in an attempt to replicate the great Tang Emperor Tai Tsung, who was the second emperor of the Tang dynasty and is considered one of the greatest rulers in Chinese history. Beside the Buddha are his two disciples, a young and an old monk. Both wear luxurious robes with detailed patterns and gilded edges, reflecting the prosperous, splendid life of the great empire. It also displays the contrast between the clever, handsome and calm face of the younger monk and the weather-beaten face and protruding ribs of the older, abstemious ascetic. The statues of the flanking bodhisattvas are famous for their feminized appearance. They both have delicate faces, hair in a high bun, slender eyebrows, straight noses, red lips and enchanting smiles. They stand in an S-pose. Their dhotis, the sarong-like loincloth, are tied around their waists, fluttering back from between their legs, showing the soft texture of silk. After more than a thousand years, we can still clearly see the design of clustered floral patterns with gilded lines and stylized palm leaflets on the cloth. They look more like noble court ladies than bodhisattvas, some say their appearance may have originated from Yang Fei, a renowned beauty in Chinese history who was concubine of the great Tang Emperor Xuan Tsung. We don't know for sure who they really represent, but it was a fashionable depiction of Bodhisattva in the High Tang period. At the outer edges of the niche are two heavenly kings dressed as mighty generals. They both look wrathful and stand in an S-shaped pose with one foot stepping on a demon and the opposite hand on their hip. Their other hand looks like it's holding something, perhaps a stick, but the weapon itself has long since gone, leaving only an empty fist. The one on the north side looks as if he is roaring, his eyebrows in a frown, wide-eyed and mouth wide open. The facial muscle is tense but not stiff, and the armour, with its delicate carvings, suggesting from its thickness that it is made of high-quality metal and leather. This group of human-sized statues, with well-captured forms and expressions, epitomises the variety of images of different people from the High Tang dynasty. The distinctive status and personalities of the Buddha and each of his acolytes are vividly represented. The solemnity of the Buddha, the modesty of his disciples, the feminine charm of the bodhisattvas and the formidableness of the heavenly kings are appropriately demonstrated. If you take a closer look, you may also notice that this seven-figure grouping has been thoughtfully composed and arrayed to attend to the visual perspective of the worshippers. They are horizontally and more or less symmetrically arrayed on both sides of the Buddha statue, all with eyes looking downward. If you kneel in front of the niche, like a worshipper always does, and raise your head to gaze at the statues, you would feel that each and every statue is gazing at you with compassion. Wu Qian, a professional photographer who has been taking photos in Dunhuang for nearly 40 years, once recalled that when he was photographing the Buddha in Cave 45, he suddenly felt a deep connection with the Buddha, 
as his eyesight met the eyes of the Buddha statue. It's as if I look up at the gods in the world of Buddhism, and they look down at the secular world slightly. He's watching me, and I'm also looking back at him. We should not treat the sculpture as a cold cultural relic, but as a living person. The human emotion expressed in Cave 45 is far greater than its religious content. It is heart-to-heart -heart communication. The painted sculptures of the early Tang Dynasty were still influenced by the exaggerated techniques of previous dynasties, but when it came to the High Tang period, the sculptures revealed more Chinese characteristics as craftsmen began to use a realistic style to express the spiritual world of the gods. They believe that the anthropomorphic inner portrayal of the statue and even the production of statues based on characters in real life can increase the humanity of the gods and shorten the distance to the audience. Sculptural art is deeply connected with the surrounding environment. Cave 45 is, especially, a model of the combination of painting and sculpture. The seven colored sculptures in the niche are combined with the murals on the walls and ceilings to form a complete Buddhist world, sacred but also colorful. The murals in this cave are full of details, which directly reflect the lifestyle of people from all walks of life at that time. Well, I'll leave the mural paintings and the Buddhist world of Cave 45 for you to explore the next time you personally visit Dunhuang, the world's largest Buddhist art gallery. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Sanliang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast.